Well, have you heard of compassion fatigue? It's actually a little bit of a new idea for me. So I did some researching and I found out that it's primarily referring to those professionals that are working with people in very traumatic circumstances day in and day out. So hospital workers, counselors, psychologists, soldiers, first responders, teachers, pastors, uh, anyone who might work in the correction system or in a prison, someone who works with abuse or addiction or poverty. But in reality, all of us suffer from compassion fatigue. Uh, and I think that I'm suffering a little bit of compassion fatigue just as this pandemic wears on. The Greek roots of the word compassion, come and passion, that first part, come, is the Greek word for with. Passion is the Greek word for suffering. So what compassion literally means is to suffer with someone else. And so it, it makes sense when caring people care and show compassion to someone who's suffering through someone. We are literally suffering with them. And this is what can wear us down. And it leads to compassion fatigue. Now, Mother Teresa is perhaps one of the best Christian examples of Christian compassion. She is known for having devoted her life for showing compassion to the poorest of the poor around the world. And she's been recognized uh, for this in a number of ways, one of which she won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979 for her compassionate charity work with the poor in Calcutta, India. But it was in 2007 when some of Mother Teresa's personal correspondence was published and it was revealed that Mother Teresa had some dark moments in her faith where she suffered some pretty devastating doubts. She had her faith wavering. She confessed that sometimes she felt that God was absent in her own life. She even felt that there were times when God was absent from the world. And so this was especially shocking for the millions of people that, that revered Mother Teresa, that she was the example of showing compassion to the poor of the world. How could someone as great as Mother Teresa uh, suffer from com compassion fatigue? Well, for me, I actually am a little bit encouraged that Mother Teresa is a human being. <laughs> because this is just something that we all have to deal with. We all have to deal with our limits. Not only do our bodies have limits, but our hearts and our souls have limits. It is a truth that human compassion for all of us will run out at some point. And this is why we must look 
to Jesus. This is why we must look outside of ourselves, because Jesus' compassion never ends. Even though we can disappoint Jesus, even though we fall short, Jesus will continually turn his heart to you and to me and to everyone with a heart of compassion. So today's principle of compassion is not about fixing our compassion fatigue. This is something that we just have to be honest about and that we're gonna have to deal with. But today's principle of compassion is about looking to Jesus and trusting that Jesus is with us and for us with an everlasting heart of compassion. So I wanna look at our scripture passage right now because our scripture passage of the feeding of the 5,000 really illustrates very well these two ideas. The idea of our compassion fatigue, but also the promise that Jesus' compassion is everlasting. So I invite you to open up your Bible to Mark chapter six, verses 30 through 44. And so you can follow along in your Bible or I'm gonna have the scripture passages uh, that we're gonna be referring to up on the screen as well. Now I wanna begin by giving some context. Before our scripture passage for today, at the beginning of chapter six, Jesus has sent his disciples out two by two on missionary journeys. So they are going around the region to village to village and Jesus sends them to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, sends them to heal, to teach, and to cast out demons. And so it was, it's been a significant amount of time, probably months, that the disciples have been away and they've genuinely been doing some remarkable things. But now they're all gathering together again. They're coming back and reuniting with Jesus. And, and obviously, they're gonna be excited about all the things that they've experienced, but they're also tired and exhausted. Jesus knows how tired and exhausted they are. So Jesus calls for a retreat. We gotta go off to a deserted, secluded place. We need retreat. Jesus wants to process with the disciples, but he also simply wants them to rest because they need the rest. Now look at verses 33 through 34. Here we see that the needs of the world are pressing in on the disciples. And this is terrible timing. <laughs> because the disciples are suffering from compassion fatigue. But we also see that it is Jesus who has the capability. Jesus looks upon the overwhelming needs of this crowd and has compassion for them. He sees them like sheep who are without a shepherd. And in the following verses, we're gonna see an example in what the disciples actually say this is gonna really reveal the compassion fatigue in the disciples. Look at verses 35 through 37. What the disciples say about, um, we don't have enough money 
to feed all these people. We need to send them away so that they can take care of themselves. Can you hear the compassion fatigue? Realize the disciples, they've just been doing miraculous healings. They've been casting out demons in Jesus' name. But now they're so tired, they can't even imagine how they might feed these thousands of people. But Jesus has an idea. Jesus knows they're tired. Jesus knows that they're suffering from inadequacy. But now take a look at verse 38. Here in verse 38, he asks, how many loaves have you? Well, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, from the disciples' perspective, they, they, they just, they, they know that this is inadequate. But Jesus is coming at this from a completely different direction. Jesus is asking his disciples to give to him what the disciples feel very inadequate about. And what happens? The disciples give what feels so inadequate. They give it to Jesus and Jesus blesses it. Jesus multiplies it and gives it back to the disciples to give to the crowds. And it is beyond their imagination how it can be multiplied and blessed and how it can actually meet the overwhelming needs of the world. This is an example of Jesus' unlimited uh, compassion. But Jesus doesn't act alone. Jesus is inviting us to share our gifts. Jesus is inviting us to play our part in this unlimited compassion that Jesus is sharing with the world. Now, two pieces of good news that I want us to take away from this story of the feeding of the 5,000. Rest and action. Now first, the good news of rest. Jesus is inviting us to rest when we're tired, when we're fatigued, when we have compassion fatigue. You might have a relationship in your life right now that wears on you. It is a tax on your compassion. You can only deal with that relationship for so long and then your patience runs out, your joy runs out, and your compassion runs out. And I want you to hear Jesus' invitation. Rest. Take a break from feeling like you need to fix whatever you feel needs to be fixed in that relationship. We need rest. Jesus is inviting us to rest because when we rest, we are giving Jesus the best opportunity to renew and restore us. When we rest, we are giving Jesus the opportunity to reframe our minds and to reshape our hearts into the ways that they need to be changed and reframed. And then, when we are rested, when we are renewed, 
Then Jesus sends us back out into the world, back into those relationships, and now we are a better version of ourselves. Now we can actually bring compassion. We can bring patience. We can bring joy again into those relationships. The second piece of good news that I want us to take away from this feeding of the 5,000 story is this. Like the disciples, they felt inadequate to meet the needs of of the crowds that were pressing in on them. And I think we can relate to the disciples. There's a lot about our life of faith that we can feel inadequate about. We can feel inadequate in our prayer life. And when we feel that way, well, we end up just not praying. Or we can feel inadequate about our worship life. And when we feel inadequate, sometimes we just don't do it anymore. We can feel inadequate about the gifts and the generosity that we have to give. And so when we feel inadequate, we just don't do it. But Jesus invites us to share. Share whatever might feel inadequate. Because Jesus wants to show us how he can multiply it. How he will bless it. And how it will make a bigger impact on others than we could ever imagine. I want to read a devotion for you. And this devotion was shared with me by Kathy Paisley. Uh, Both of us meet with a group of spiritual directors once a month. And last Monday, our group was meeting and Kathy uh, was the one who brought the devotion to start our meeting. And I just was, I loved the, the words of this devotion that she brought. The name of the devotion is Going About Your Day When the World is on Fire. Brian Morricon is the one who wrote this devotion, and he is the director of communications for Renovare, who, uh, this is a spiritual formation organization. Now I'm gonna have the words of the devotion up on the screen so that you can follow along. Lord, your world is on fire. It rains from time to time, but still flames rise hotter and higher. I sit in an air-conditioned office and type this newsletter on a large high-res screen. On my desk is a can of flavored sparkling water and a half-eaten protein bar. In the back of my mind, like a distant ambulance siren, flash images of Afghans in distress and Haitians looking for loved ones amidst the rubble. The tension between my reality and theirs makes it difficult to write about the spiritual life. While major tragedies do seem to be intensifying in degree and frequency, they are as old as the world. What's new is our ability to track them in real time from a staggering array of sources. We are always one tap away from a new first-person perspective of pain. As a result, it almost feels wrong to go about our day as normal. Lord, teach us to pray and how to live. I'm thankful that the Gospels are not simply a list of the sayings of Jesus. It could have been that way, a sort of Proverbs volume two, Jesus edition. Instead, the Gospel writers present the words of Jesus within the life of Jesus. 
a flesh and blood life lived in a broken world during a tumultuous time. And here's what I see in that life. Jesus is always full of compassion, but never overwhelmed by human suffering. When Jesus walked on earth, tragedies and injustices were happening in places where he did not choose to take his body. Though he cared about these pains of elsewhere far more than any human could, they did not put his mind into an anxious state. He didn't live with a vague sense of guilt for those he didn't heal. He knew he would set all things to right, but not at once. His work was to initiate the world's restoration. The completion, a world without pain, would come later. So for 36 months, he did what the Father asked him to do. And then he breathed on us. Now we are Christ's body on earth. Following his example, we each have work the Father gives us to do. And following his example, that work is best done when we withdraw, even rest often for prayer. From the place of communion with God, some will be led to give or go to places like Haiti, some to other kinds of work. But it's in giving our attention first to the quiet voice of God that we'll know rightly how to listen and respond to and sometimes take a break from the news of the world. My prayer is that each of us will listen and will follow Jesus' invitation to rest because we are all more compassionate after we have rested. I also hope that we will hear the promise that even though we might have insecurities in our life of faith, Jesus invites us to share our life of faith, share our prayers, share our compassion, share our worship, share our invitations, even if they feel insecure, even if they feel inadequate. Give them to Jesus. Jesus will bless them and multiply them. Amen.